welcome to the UHM Podcast with your hosts, Ryan and Shane. Okay, guys, welcome to episode 18 of the UHM podcast. Again, I'm your host, Ryan. With me is Shane and uh, Matt Blasey, um, zombie fanatic. We're uh, picking up right where we left off on the Romero discussion. And um, if you guys want to catch up with us, you can catch us on the UHM podcast um, on uh, SoundCloud, on iTunes, um, Stitcher, probably a bunch of other places. I don't remember I hosted it. And um, we're the official podcast of UpcomingHorrorMovies.com. And if you want to get us some money, you can um, subscribe to a horror pack at horrorpack.com slash go slash UHM podcast. And gets four awesome movies sent to your door every month. And that's about it. So now that I've got through that intro, we can pick up right where we left off. Um, we just finished up our discussion of Day of the Dead, and now we're going to go on to uh, Matt's starring role in a 2005 <laughs> film, Land of the Dead. So uh, so Land of the Dead it, uh, came out much later, 20 years later, from Day of the Dead, um, George's um, third film, his fourth zombie, I'm sorry, his third zombie film, his fourth zombie film, 20 years later, Um it's he sort of continues the legacy I think he had in the first three movies and expands upon it in this one. And um, I think he's trying to say a lot of different things in this movie. He while you look at the first three movies and people could pick up stuff on, um, you know, different social commentaries, in, including, you know, um, race, consumerism and sort of just military um the, the a military aspect to the society that we live in uh, land, I think sort of grabs all of those. And I think he expands on them in this one. It's not just taking one commentary on one subject. I feel that he's taking commentary on all the subjects he's covered in the pr- previous three films and really goes a little further with them. What, what do you think about that, Matt? Um, yeah, I definitely think so. I think, um, and I've always said this once I, you know, heard George was making this and then finally seen the final product is, you know, th- this product really screams to me, you know, George's underlying message to me is like the haves and the have nots. Um, you know, society is closed off at this point. And, you know, he's really showing like, okay, now we're going to ignore this. You know, we know there's a problem out there, but let's put up a bunch of fences, give people guns, you know, we'll, we'll recreate si- society. And, you know, he really goes to town with the political messages. Um, I think, and this is just my personal opinion, you know, I think George had a lot of, not anger, but kind of frustration because he hadn't, you know, he hadn't made a movie in, in, in five years to this point. He had made Bruiser back in 1998, um, And it had been 10 years since, you know, the dark half had come out. So I think George had a lot of this pent up frustration with all the stuff that he, was to do in the 90s you know he you know he was supposed to do 
you know, Frankenstein, you know, it was going to re- be, re- be a reboot of that. He was supposed to do Resident Evil. You know, that was oh a big God. thing. That was a killer when that, that didn't happen. That, that, uh, that would have been amazing. You know, and, and the fact that, you know, this movie really only got made because the Dawn of the Dead sequel had come out and had been successful. And people were like, what about George? So, you know, the, this movie got made for not all of the right reasons. Like, this movie should have been made in the 90s or late 80s or something. Um, it would have been a drastically different film um, just because of the scale of this film is bigger than anything George has ever done. And, um, you know, George really, as he does in this one, and jumping ahead, like, he really does in Diary of the Dead, really hits you over the head with his message on this one. Yeah. And I think that was George's kind of subtle subtle way of like kind of getting back at people for not paying attention to him even though he stayed outside of the Hollywood system yeah and and that like I said that's my take on it I think this one has sort of multiple layers on it and and stuff that even George might not have might not have even intended I know in the last episode I talked about stuff where like you know you could see he built this into the film and I feel like his his whole discussion of you know the haves and the have-nots is obviously his um, f- thing that he's trying to put forward in this, but there's also a lot of racial commentary going on on it, and mm-hmm. I I see he's sort of ahead of his own time when he made this, because if you look at 2005, the sort of socio-political situation in the United States when this movie came out, that was before the Occupy movement, that was before Black Lives Matter, any of these other things. And George was sort of ahead of that and being like, listen, this is a situation we're in. People aren't paying attention to this, but here's where we are. And then you have like in the, you know, 2006, 2007 Occupy comes out. And then, you know, you've got much later around now, the 2012, 2013, I think is when Occupy, I'm sorry, when the uh, Black Lives Matter or anything else started really putting forward and saying there's still racial discrimination going on. I feel like George was actually pointing to those things way back when this movie was made. Yeah, I agree. I, I, you know, there's one of those, you know, lines in the film where Dennis Hopper's like, you know, I gave them vices. I gave them things to distract them with. So, you know, here you got a, a, a guy in power, very influential, charismatic, unofficial leader of this of this community. And to distract him from the fact that they're living on the streets, he's given them these arena games and drugs yeah. and and, and stuff to do and, and to basically keeping them from realizing that they're just getting shit on by, by him and, and, and his wealthy friends and, and cohorts. So, you know, and that's, you know, if you not to get into it and I won't, but it's just like, you know, when you see people say, you know, well, we're being distracted by this over here, you know, this, this, this gorilla that was killed, that's what we're focusing on, but look what's happening over here and no one's paying attention to what's over here and, you know, that's how you start to divide people and that's how you keep your power. And I think George in, on this film really pulled the curtain back and, and put his message on the forefront and his own frustrations and views on, on the world and, and filmmaking and everything. Put it right on the front burner for everyone to kind of see and digest for the first time. Yeah, I never thought about that, the filmmaking aspect of it before in terms of him being frustrated with that. Um I always looked at him more from a social side, but I, I guess you're right. You, you know, you sort of see him as uh, as he's like, this is the movie that I want to make. They're telling, you know, 
they're saying you're this is not what we want to see regardless of what's happening um but at the same time george sort of comes out and calls him on it i i kind of like that in the movie i never really thought about it like that yeah he um this this was the first time i mean this wasn't his first studio experience obviously he dealt with orion you know for monkey shines two evil eyes in the dark half yeah but you know he he had some hollywood overlords kind of looking in in on him not down on him but there was enough oversight and interference for him that you he was frustrated during filming i mean this wasn't one of his most positive experiences and you know he was given a budget you know it, it goes from anywhere from you know i've heard anything from as low as 10 to as high as you know 20 so you know he was probably given around between 14 and 15 million to, to make this but i mean he still shot the movie in like 28 days That's you know crazy. It, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a, I don't think it was a very long shooting trip. I mean, I was up there probably about halfway through the shoot uh, for the one night that I was there. And I think they filmed, see, I was in there at the end of October. I think they'd been filming for at least two, two and a half weeks. Maybe it was a little bit longer, but it was not a long shoot at all. Um, and he was, he was doing a lot of setups. Um, you know, you know, lucky he was working with Greg Nicotero and KMB effects for, for the makeup so that, you know, he had a, a larger professional crew that could handle the the mass amount of zombies that could come through with the appliances and the looks how they've progressed you know other than you know tom doing his makeup and stuff and, and please don't get me wrong i'm not belittling tom's you know talent because tom is mega talented um but for the scope that george had i mean he was you know he was running a set you know they were running a second unit you know, Greg, Greg Nicotero is running second unit. Yeah. And, you know, that was something George never did. You know, they're doing coverages and, you know, they're shooting all over these places and, you know, shooting, you know, in a city. You know, George, you know, d normally didn't shoot in a metropolitan area and, you know, dealing with, you know, water tanks, you know, for the one scene and just lots of horde scenes where it took a lot of coordinating. So it was a very different experience for him to be on, you know, especially coming from Bruiser, which probably was filmed in the same amount of time but you know a third of the budget right you had to mostly enclosed spaces offices and you know a couple outside shots where he's coming through but everything else yeah. is really big all the intensity is all sort of inside studio type stuff yeah it was um the the night that i was there when we were walking up to the building um when you see it in the final film you hear these two security guards yelling holy shit and they're running off screen well, I think we did eight or nine takes of it, and these two security guards, I guess, apparently could not get it right. And we're standing out there, and George is trying to cover them and, and get it right. I saw George, like, leap from his chair and, like, emphatically point at things. Like, you know, he's telling these guys, you need to do it now. Like, you need, you know, like, George, it was, George was very animated. Hmm. Not not angry or frustrated, but he was he was animated in a way that I had never seen him before. So, like, when you watch all the behind-the-scenes stuff, from like Document of the Dead with Roy Frumkis, sure. you know, he's chewing gum, walking around, playing with a yo-yo, very relaxed. George, you could tell there was a level of stress that George had that I had never seen before. So I I just kind of like, I was like, holy shit, like I've never seen that from George. So that kind of was like the tone. I mean, it wasn't a bad experience, but I think I think it was it was more stressful than he had ever been used to. Do you think that comes through in the film? Um, I think so. Um, you know, I think the tone of the film itself is, is very, 
I don't, I don't even know what word I could use, but I mean, there's, there's just a sense of frustration with the character of Riley wanting to leave and he's being held back, yeah. you know, by someone hawking over him. And, you know, the, and that script obviously would have been written before a studio came in and gave him money or a production company came in and gave him money. But I think it, I think they run parallel um, very much so because you have someone in a high tower looking down on you to produce and to do things. And he's, not being stifled, but he's definitely being held back from what he could have done. Right. Yeah. Shane, you, you're watching this right now, or is it, has it finished? I am. <laughs> no, I'm watching it again, actually. <laughs> I'm watching it again. Um, yeah, well, basically, it just means I don't have to get up and uh, put on another film. So I just thought I'd put it on again. <clears throat> but um, I don't know. What was the question? So what, what, what do you th- what do you think about land? Is is there anything in particular that stands out for you? Is there something that you think um, that George pushed forward more than anything else, or something he held what back I, on? No, well, what I liked, what I like about the film is the fact that with the zombies, it's almost like they're an additional character. It's almost like they're not the bad guys; they're just trying to survive like everybody else. Oh, that's a good point. And, yeah, and it's kind of like how how I how it was touched upon. You touched upon it earlier with uh, Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, where it's almost like they've got memories coming back, and they're kind of remembering what they were before they became what they are now. If you see what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And it's 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 cool because it's almost like they're relearning stuff as well. So it's what uh, that's one aspect of the film that I really enjoyed because it's kind of like the zombies are still learning or that you know they're relearning they've started to do stuff again. So it's um I thought that was really clever. I really enjoyed that aspect. Um yeah, go on. I was just going to say if you want to think about that as well to go to to kind of add on to what you're saying, the zombies are a third class that's rising up. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and they're they're like, wait a minute, we want a piece of this pie too. Like, hey, we outnumber all of you guys, you know. Yeah, exactly. And they, they're not thinking that, but they're like, they've got enough to say. Wait a minute, hold on. There's more here. We want, you know, we want in on this too. And, um, you know, so it's coming to usurp the the two classes that we have in this city, and basically like, well, if you guys are gonna fight amongst yourselves, screw you guys. We're gonna come in and take it all. Yeah, one of my favorite yeah. one of my favorite parts of the movie is that. Um, all the, all the zombies gather. There's one wooden door that they all sort of gather, and and like Big Daddy, you know, brings over the guy with the the cleaver, and he and he hacks yes. through the wooden door, right? And they they mm-hmm. once they peek through and they get a hole in the door and they see through, they don't see where all the masses are. All the masses are sort of on the bottom of the city, you know, in the ghettos and everything else. All they see is that mm-hmm. golden tower, and they're mm-hmm. like, yeah. right there. That's where we're going. And I think that says a lot that they all they see is the top. They're like, listen, this is where everything this is where it's happening. We have to be right there. And that's what it's draws ha- their focus. Yeah, it's kind of like the Holy Grail. They have to be there. They got it. You mm-hmm. just got to go for it. Um, yeah, I really like that, that. That it's not where all the people are. They're not like focusing on, oh, we've got to go get, you know, the brains we're not going for like you know the human flesh you're like this is our focus is whatever this thing is obviously this is some sort of pinnacle and this is what we're going for 
Mm-hmm. And I think that works awesome in the movie. It, it's it's this is one of Romero's, I think, best visual films. Mm-hmm. I think I think the way he uses his visuals in this movie, the coloring especially. There's a lot of blues in the town and a lot of yellows in the city. I think he he love- uses these aspects. He uses like he's not a visual director and. There, there are many visual directors in horror. You've got people like Argento and you've got Fulci and all this. And I, and I don't think I'd ever really classify Romero as a visually sort of focused director. He he usually uses more story script mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, just sort of traditional filmmaking techniques. Whereas, you know, some of the other guys I mentioned, some of the Italian directors and stuff, they're more focused on the visuals and the script and everything else is like a side story. Like I, I challenge anyone to tell me what the script to the beyond is like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just set pieces. It's about awesome things that are happening visually on screen. But I think in this movie, Romero really steps it up and he does an excellent job with the visuals that are in this film. And I think the way he puts it together, it really highlights um, a lot of the action and a lot of, you know, the character interactions that are going on in it. Yeah, George, like you said, George isn't a a visual filmmaker. I mean, there's nothing that stands out like that is a George Romero shot. You know, there's, you know, the the closest you would get to that would be Creepshow, and that just lends itself to the fact that it was a comic book movie. I was going to say that's because it's a comic movie, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you look at Argento, and he's got these sweeping shots of stuff and close-ups of hands and eyes and, you know, and, and, and Fulci's cutting, you know. Italians are very stylized. Like, they've got their own eye for film, and George is kind of like, I need to tell this story, and I'm going to, okay, if i got to do the shot this way, I'm going to do it this way because I need this person to do this. And, you know, he's not worrying about, well, okay, I need a blue light up here to cast. Like, that, that's just not George. But this is probably his most polished film. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. Um, and I think that lends itself, you know, that that's a product of the technology. Um, the night that I was there, I think there were three cameras set up when we break through the window. Mm-hmm. Um, he had three main cameras sitting there pointing at us so he could get coverage. You know, you look back, George only ever worked with one camera ever, you know, so he had a he, he had a big um, toy box available to him. And I think he used the tools he had effectively um, to tell the story. And um, I say it's just that my problems with the movie tend to actually come from dialogue. Really? Yeah. Um, like I had said earlier, I I get pulled out of this movie a lot due to dialogue. And that's something that in George's last three films, to me, that's the thing that that's the weakest, not Ooh. story, but dialogue. And George, to me, was always very good at dialogue. Um, but there, you know, there's a couple of lines in here um, when Riley's like, you know, he's like, I'm looking for a world with no fences, you know, and then you got John Leguizamo doing his John Leguizamo thing. Um he, How'd you it feel? Just, how'd you feel about John in this movie, John Leguizamo? Did you, I, did you think he was a positive or a negative? I thought he was a positive. Um, he doesn't play anyone that stands out, but he—he's John Leguizamo. Like he—he he can't hide within a role. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I kind of—I like him sort of in that aspect. I sort of like his ostentatious behavior. You know what I mean? Sort of in the same way that yeah. I like Rhodes. He's a character. He's. 
someone yeah. that really stands out. And I feel like George wouldn't have cast John Leguizamo if he didn't want John Leguizamo in that role. And that's, and that's true. And I mean, that just, and then it comes just back around to personal taste. I mean, I, I mean, I have nothing against like Wazamo. I mean, I've, I've seen movies and I like him in it. Um, it just, sometimes he pulls, he, <coughs> you can, I can tell when he's improving and there's not a lot of improv in George's movies. That kind of comes across to me. Like this is definitely someone improved. Um, I just get that feeling. I, I think the casting of Simon Baker was bad. Hmm. Um, Actually, I, I, yeah, I could agree with you on that. I, I think he's too stiff. He's too much of a, it, to me, I get the sense of being classically trained. You know, I'm going to look like this in the film. And what do you mean, George? What's my character trying to do? You know, I can see him pulling that on. And, and he didn't. I mean, there was it wasn't like, you know, um, Timothy Hutton in the dark half. Yeah. But it was just I to me, Simon Baker doesn't to me lend himself to a zombie movie. And, and I you, think that there was just a misstep. Here's a difficult question for you. Who would you have rather seen in his role instead? Oh my god. I don't I honestly I don't know if I can answer that because George isn't you know, when you look at George's movies, he's not casting big actors that stand no. out from other roles. I mean I mean I couldn't say Ed Harris because Ed Harris was in Night Riders and Creepshow before he was Ed Harris. Yeah. Um, you know, Peter Stormare stuck out in Bruiser because well, he's Peter Stormare and you know, he you know, Peter Stormare got real big, you know, from Fargo on, um, you know, as this big character actor and this, you know, the, the person that he is comes through in each character he plays. But I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you because he could have cast someone that was unknown because yeah. Simon Baker didn't put butts in the seats. Yeah. You know, he wasn't he wasn't a big draw for people. I mean, it was more Dennis Hopper than anything. Yeah. Dennis that, Hopper had to be the big name on the film, obviously. I, well, at the time, John Leguizamo might have pulled some people in. I think Leguizamo will pull people in, but he he's he's a secondary character. I yeah. mean, even in like John Wick, he was you know, great in John Wick, though. He was great in John Wick because Leguizamo to me is good in small doses. Yeah, but that's that's sort of like I feel like John Wick is post Leguizamo, like like Leguizamo fanhood. I feel like John Wick is like, oh, look, we also got John Leguizamo at the, at the same time. It's like John Leguizamo 2.0. Yeah, like right, he, exactly. You know, it's like, know, oh, it's cliche you know, to have him in. That's why we got him in. And um, he's not playing someone that's playing, like, he's not doing his Leguizamo-isms. No. Like, you can kind of see. So he's very subdued, very held back, where this one, he's kind of, like, off in so many different directions. And I think he's a good foil for the character of Riley that Simon Baker plays. But... Just I don't know. There was just something about the casting and the dialogue in that movie that just really turned me off. I think you're right. I think if they had, if, if Simon Baker was a little bit more, ha, had a little more fun in him, um, when he bounced off John Leguizamo, it would have been better. When when they have, not the confrontation, but when Riley's outside of Dead Reckoning and um, Leguizamo sees it's him, and Leguizamo's mm-hmm. like, son of a bitch. And, you know, they have to let him on because that's, how the movie progresses mm-hmm. because I thought because Riley's so stiff and so like matter of fact, it doesn't work with the way Leguizamo behaves. I feel like if they had somebody that was a little more fun, a little more foolhardy, he could have busted his chops a little bit. And then it would have been like, all right, you son of a bitch, come on board. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, 
Simon Baker plays the straight man. Yeah. But he does he doesn't have that Laurel or Hardy to play off of, and the closest he gets is Robert Joy. You know, he's fantastic in that. And and the best parts that Simon Baker has in the movie are when he's playing off of him. Right. Right. You know, it's Charlie. Like, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. He's like, it's good shooting, not nice shooting. You know, he's like, you know, you still believe in God. You know, just these little like one off lines. He plays better off of him. And even Charlie isn't the funny man, you know, but it's like Simon Baker's got that dry, quick delivery sense of humor that I think works better with him. And, and like Wazamo and him just didn't clash in terms of on screen chemistry. The only the, the one negative I really found in this movie is did you feel any connection between Aja Argento and Simon Baker in the movie? I saw what they were trying to get at, but there, it, it just there wasn't a place for it. The, Maybe, you know, after the credits would have rolled. Whatever romance the, they were sort of alluding to, I didn't see at all. Like, I know they were that's what they were trying to, to say, like they care about each other for some reason. But it never came off that way. There wasn't. I think there wasn't that attraction you normally expect between, I guess, two leading actors. I I could see the in terms of a character perspective, she was someone that he could finally start caring about, because he was very selfish. He was very much about me. You know, he let Charlie tag along because they took care of each other. They had a symbiotic, symbiotic relationship, but he didn't have anyone to really have feelings with to kind of really connect on a deep personal level. And to me, like when he saw her and she looked like, it was like maybe the first time he had had that connection with someone, but there wasn't enough of the movie to let that build to kind of like, you know, where she was in peril later in the movie. And he's like, I got to go save her now. We're 10 minutes earlier. He'd have been like, fuck her. I'm leaving. Yeah. Um, I just, I just think it was, you know, the seeds were there, but he just didn't have enough time to, to really build that into it, and it just was kind of wasted. Yeah, yeah, I agree on that. It, it, it... Gerard Argento, on the other hand, I mean, eye candy right there. Sorry, just had to point that out. Absolutely, and I and I think she did she's... an excellent job in this. Oh yeah, yeah. she's yeah. She, I've just seen her in the prison cell. <laughs> yeah, I think she. I think her character was was very well written. It it, it suited that casting very very well. Yeah, I um, agree. She wasn't, she wasn't in your face. She also wasn't in the background. She was, there was just enough balance for her in the movie to play off of everyone else. Um, that I think, you know, between her and Robert Joy's casting, I think were the two best pieces of casting that film had done. Mm -hmm. Um, cause they suited the roles that he had written. Yeah, I agree. Have you ever, you ever seen, um, there's a movie she did with Dennis Hopper where he kidnaps her and, um, keeps her in a cage for a while is that the stendhal syndrome no 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 um shit thank well i'm trying to think of the name of it it's something like the the gatekeeper the, the keeper the keeper that's the name of it yes <clears throat> and dennis hopper like he kidnaps her and tries to teach her how to like be a good girl it's really creepy also okay Really worth watching just for the performances. The movie's kind of shit, but they do an excellent <laughs> job on it. And it's nice to see the two bouncing off each other in that movie. While in in Land of the Dead, I don't think they ever have an interaction with each other. I don't think they're ever in the same scene. No, they don't. No, they're not. But it's interesting that they're both huge parts of two movies. Yeah. 
I've got to say, I have, I have to say, I thought it was really cool that George managed to get Dennis Hopper in for this. Because he is one of those amazing character actors that you just wouldn't expect to see in a zombie film. True. I, I would like to ask George, how the hell did you cast Hopper? Yeah. <laughs> how did you pitch him this movie? I mean, it's, I mean, I, I don't think Hopper would be, you know, well, I need this figure and it's, I need this character with this motivation. I mean, George has a reputation you know, very good one. So I'm, I'm assuming someone was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. I mean, he probably wasn't, you know, he probably wasn't there for more than a week or so, a week or two. I mean, Hopper um, did do Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. So he's got a little precedent in doing some shitty horror movies. Hey, there's nothing shitty about Texas Chainsaw too. <laughs> no, I love I'm that gonna, one. That's I'm, my, that's I'm my just, favorite. I will not deny no, I it. Just, you know, <laughs> I, I, I give the character of lefty very high praise, you know, it's so you know, good. You know, but, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's it. it I, I I'd be curious. I I've never asked George, and he's never really. I don't know if he's ever come out and said how he got Hopper, or how just say you know, oh yeah, we cast Dennis Hopper, but how? Yeah. And did you make a read for it, or did you just call up Hopper's agent and be like, we really want Hopper for this role? He um, he's got one of my favorite parts of the movie is, is when you know everything's collapsing, all the zombies are attacking, and everything in shits, everything's going to hell. And um, the, one of the other rich guys comes up in the elevator and Dennis Hopper's like, all right, we're going to get out of here. Oh, quick, get down. Look out over there. And the guy gets yeah. down and he shoots him in the head. <laughs> yep. I love that part. That yes. is perfect. That, and yeah. I don't think anyone other than Dennis Hopper would have pulled that off so well. Yeah, because he plays it straight. And then he's like, oh, shit. You know, once he gets <laughs> right, the call on the radio, <laughs> he was like, if you'd have waited 10 seconds, I wouldn't have had to, you know, and he kind of realizes it. He's like, all right, let's go. He's you like, know, he just rushes him off. I wouldn't have done something that I just had done. Yep. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, well, all right, let's go. You know, now I, I thought Hopper was great. In that. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. I, I actually, I really like this movie. I think Land of the Dead is underrated in the zombie film realm. And I think it, it matches up with, his previous three movies and it really fits in with them with night it, it's and a, gone and day. It's a good book at. Yes. I, I think, I think it is. It, it sits very, very well with the other four, you know, considering it is 20 years past the, the last one. And it, it, there's, there's a lot of George in there and, and I'll get more into that, you know, with the last two films, but yeah, land, it, it screams Romero. Like it fits with those three films. Um, it's his return. I remember having, right. I remember having a discussion with um, a group of friends while we were watching this or they'd not seen it before, but I, I had. And um, one of the guys who was watching it was like, I don't get the gore. And then I just piped up and said, look, man, it's George Romero you know, you don't argue with the king of fucking zombie movies, you know, this, like, yeah. it's his trademark. And then my friend David chimed in and said, well, you just got to look at it. I mean, just look at the scene with the two zombies pulling the arm apart, you know, tearing it in mm -hmm. two and all that kind of stuff. Those are his trademarks. And the guy was like, oh, but it's so gory. And we were like, it's George fucking Romero for crying out yeah. loud. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And that was it. You know, I've, I've, I was just like, right, just shut up and watch the fucking film, goddammit, and then we'll discuss it afterwards. We'll do the post-mortem later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is one that I, I hadn't watched this in maybe like two or three years. And then 
before that, I hadn't seen it till it came out. So I've only seen Land a few times, much less than all the others. Um, right. And I, and I, I, I think undeservedly so. I think it works really well with the others. I think if you were watching like a marathon, you could easily, you know, tack Land onto the first three and would, it would work perfectly. I think it's a great follow up and like he said, a great bookend to the, uh, to the other movies. I think it works excellently. Mm-hmm. Unlike Diary of the Dead. <laughs> which I think does not work as a bookend or as any part of a Romero trilogy. So let's move on to that one from 2007, yes. George Romero's um, shaky cam found footage zombie movie, Diary of the Dead. Shane, um, how did you feel the first time you watched Diary of the Dead? <laughs> really um okay uh first time i watched diary of the dead i felt very let down and very disappointed um because although admittedly and i've discussed this with matt and you you know on separate occasions i am not a fan of found footage movies yeah. not really and um i thought to myself okay he's taken it back to the start you know how it all began but set in the present day and to me, that didn't sit well, because I thought to myself, hang on a minute, he did it with Night of the Living Dead. You know, why do it again? <clears throat> and, you know, why have video camera footage? I mean, I suppose in a way, it, it's kind of, there's that aspect where it's like present day, he's introducing it to like a new audience kind of thing. But I thought to myself, why do it now when you could just, you know, put out, Night of the re-release Night of the Living Dead, without the extra shitty footage, and you know just <laughs> without. Um, wait, are you saying without the Millennium cut from from yeah. John Romero yeah. or from I'm sorry John Russo? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, just put that film out again and just tell people right this is where it started, instead of all all this new shaky cam stuff. But I suppose in a way there were some aspects to it that I quite liked. You know, like the hospital scenes, I thought they were quite cool. Um, and uh, when they like when they get to the house towards the end of the film, but other than that, I just thought the film was really a letdown. Um, I was just not impressed with it at all. I own it. Um, I don't watch it as much as the others, um, but it was just. Uh, one of those films I felt let down by. I mean, the story was weak. I actually, I've got to admit, I thought it was probably, um, without saying t- sounding too horrible, I actually thought it was quite, quite um, a downturn for his work because he's done so much amazing stuff, and I felt this was a major letdown. Yeah, yeah. Um. I'm sort of with you, but I'm not a person to deny my heritage in that the first time that I watched this movie, I was a sympathizer with it. And I said, right, I really liked it. And I, I went, I mean, if you look at my posts on UHM, I think if you go embarrassingly back on them on the UHM message board, you can see me defending this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and sadly, having watched it subsequent times, um, I don't think it holds up quite the opposite to when I first watched day of the dead and didn't like it initially. And it got better and better as it progressed. When I first watched diary diary of the dead, 
I thought it was pretty good. And then as I watched it two or three more times, I realized the folly of my ways and that it was actually quite shit. Um, yeah. But I'll fess up to it that I did. I did, in <clears throat> fact, defend this movie and say it was good when it came out and that I really liked it. There are good aspects. I will stand to that. There are places where the humor works in the movie. Like you mentioned, the hospital scene is really cool. Yeah. Um, and and I, the, Am- the Amish guy. The Amish, the Amish guy, guy is pretty funny. That's a good another, another place yeah. where the humor hits. But I will also say that the while a lot of people criticize the CGI in the film, I think having the found footage aspect helps the CGI because he didn't have the budget or the technology to do good CGI effects in this movie. Having yeah. it sort of be the shaky camera and found footage um, sort of distracts from the CGI and it makes that less offensive than it actually is. I mean, it's still mm. not good. It's not great CGI. It's not even really what you would give it a pass for. People would consider it bad, but I think having the handheld camera aspect of it detracts from that. And I think that, that a lot of that comes down to budget. And I don't know if he was actually trying to use CGI or was just like, I can't afford to do the special effects. You know, the- they didn't. They didn't have time. Right. It was it was an, again an, a very rushed shoot, twenty some days. Yeah. So for them to do you know for them to do squib hits, you know, on a white wall in the hospital, it would have taken them two hours to clean it up, reset, re you know, it's he it, he had to use CGI. Yeah. You know, he had to enhance you know almost all the headshots and everything because he just he was so limited. Now, let me ask you this, because we you had mentioned this earlier about his um, lack of budget and still pushing forward. I think this is the point where that takes a turn for the worst that George says, I want this, this and this in the movie. Oh, but we can't afford that. Oh, but we'll just get it in the edit or with the special effects at the end. I think that is a severe negative on this film where it was a positive on earlier films. Yeah, Diary's scope was a lot big. Diary's eyes were bigger than its stomach. Yes. To put it into perspective, yeah. um, the, the budget for Diary is, is a drop in the bucket compared to what he had for land. Yeah, had it was he about been able $2 million, to, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was not a lot. Um, if Diary's budget had been doubled, I think it would have been a little better. I think, you know, I, I think the special effects would have brought it up. But Diary was... It, it falls flat for me, not for the found footage, but for a couple of reasons. One, it just goes to dialogue. The the professor in this movie, while I like the character, <laughs> just has some of the weirdest lines. And and the the girl from Texas. Oh my is god! Just I've got her noted too, three times on my notes here. Just just a little too like you know, Daddy Pickford for Dale Earnhardt. No, and she names some like south texas driver in some racing series that you'd never hear of and just just the way that the the two main characters of jason and michelle play off each other just you're almost like why why were they together in the first place they didn't get along yeah at all they did not get along at all and you know the professor's just there drinking and to provide you know these these witticisms and these you know sayings to you know inspire people and and whatnot and the just the the one of the things that bugs me about this film and you'll get a laugh is 
his sense of geography. I'm from Pennsylvania. Oh, yes. Please and, get into and, this. And, You're not and, the first the, person to bring up geography on this podcast, Shane. And, I'll and, have you know. And, I was. Whoa. <laughs> No, I'm saying <laughs> I love geography arguments because I got so upset at Jason goes to Manhattan when I'm like, you I'm can't. I don't know how it took so long to get there. There's no boat to go to Manhattan from Jersey or Connecticut. There's none. You cannot take yeah. a boat to Manhattan. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I live in Pennsylvania, so they're, they're supposed to be like the University of Pittsburgh or something and traveling back east. And and. It's it's been a little while since I watched Diary, and I may have to go back and watch it tonight just to kind of see where it goes. But th- they're supposed to go to Scranton, yeah, and then their her parents went to West Virginia from Scranton. Scranton to, Scranton to West Virginia is about four hours. Yeah, right. And she's like, it's like a hundred miles away, and I'm like, no, it's not. Like Scranton's a hundred miles away from me. And it just like he just a couple of times I go, wait, did he not look at a map? Like he lived in Pittsburgh for forty years. Scranton's like not, way upstate. Scranton, yeah, Scranton is about an hour, hour and a half north of me from Hershey. Right, and th- that's straight that's... shot up. Yes, Scranton is on the northeast side of the state. Okay, to get um, to West Virginia from there is like crazy talk, unless there's it's... some imaginary road that I that goes straight down there. Yeah, there was no way. And it just, it just it was like, wait, what? Like, what road are they taking that they're going to get to, you know, West Virginia? It's like 100 miles. And I go, I just, I couldn't believe it. And <laughs> just like, the, my biggest problem with Diary, above all, is her voiceover. Yeah, her explaining things when she's like, this is where I edited the scene that I thought you needed to see. I'm like, yeah, you don't need to tell me this. Just let it happen. I'm engrossed. If I'm in the movie, I'm engrossed in the movie. I don't need somebody telling me why a scene was put in the movie. Yeah, if she, if if he would have kept the voiceovers as bookends, and would have been, you know, explaining at the beginning, and you know, okay, we get it. You you're making this foot. You're you're making this movie from the footage your your boyfriend shot. I can get that. I can get behind that. I'm okay with it. But it's the voiceover throughout the movie that really pushes this this message of him and in, in, in your face like diary of the dead's message is all up in your grill yeah you know there, there you have to watch the movie through that you have to get to the movie through the message rather than the other way around and and that final scene oh my god uh, thank you for uh, bringing this up two hunters <laughs> shooting that zombie i can i i can i'm okay with the shot minus the blood tears yeah and the voiceover of are we worth saving because to me, that just is like n- uh, more unnecessary than anything George has ever done in Ab- any of his. Thank you. That isn't that is my yeah. final note on this film is that final scene. <laughs> exactly what you're saying. When you have the amazing sort of, the, you know, the, the final scenes of Night of the Living Dead and they have sort of the repercussions of, of the movie coming up, you know, a, a, after it, after the story had already ended. I felt yeah. like this was sort of his answer to that, and he's like, "How do I up that?" And he, I, I don't know. I don't know if this was his decision, or I guess it's all his decision. But like, it it doesn't fit with the movie at all. That they're like, "Here's the final thing this guy downloaded off the internet, and I'm putting it in." What does that even mean? Like, I hope my girlfriend never puts the last thing I downloaded 
on the internet for people to see because it's not something I'm going to want out there. Yeah, I think if he had just finished the movie with those, you know, security camera shots. Yes. And the professor closing the door, much better ending. Absolutely. Agreed. Absolutely. Just, I, I think if you go back and edit Diary of the Dead with audio changes, I think the quality of the film will take it from, you know, say if you rated it a four, you might take it to a seven. Because the film, you know, with the CGI to me is the biggest, one of the biggest hurdles the film has to overcome, and it doesn't completely do it. Um, I'm okay with the found footage. It was something I think that George stepped out of his comfort zone on, and you could just tell he's not a found footage type guy. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, he tried it. You know, it's not like he made every film, you know, since then found footage. But if you just go back and you edit the dialogue and tweak things here or there and remove stuff, um, it's not going to be so much in your face. Um, just, just, just minor tweaks and, and you could elevate day a little bit. I mean, to me, it's next to there's always vanilla. It's my least favorite George film. It's the one I've probably watched the least. Hmm. I, I think if this was made not by George Romero, but if it was the same film was put out and made by a first time filmmaker with like no budget, I think it would have been received a lot better than it was. I yeah. think there are positives in this movie, but I think because it comes from George Romero and such a beloved member of the horror community that people are like, oh my God, it's George Romero's next movie. I have to see it. I have to see it. And then you see it and it's this sort of disappointment. It's not what you were expecting. It's it, it's not everything you hoped it to be. It's, it's a real big come down from land. I think that's yep. what leads to a lot of the negativity of this movie. It's it, Some of it's not undeserved. I mean, some parts of the movie are bad, but I, I think mm -hmm. the movie gets a worse rap than it deserves. Um, but still, it's not good. I, I'm not a fan of this movie, despite me claiming to be one earlier in my life. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm a fan of all of George's work. <laughs> I just I I like them obviously to varying degrees. Um, I'll watch any George Romero movie any day of the week, um, but this it, it just to me gets hard to watch because it's it's like I I just I, I don't know what happened. I don't I don't know if it's again George works better on on his own. Like he doesn't he doesn't need studio interference. But this would have been one of those movies where if someone would have said George, just hold on a second, let's take a look. How does this look? You know, how does it, he kind of almost needed someone on his shoulder to kind of like be his devil's advocate, um, which to me would have propelled the movie to a next level. Wouldn't have been so like looked down upon. Um, I'm OK with him going back to the beginning. Um, I don't I don't agree with Shane with what he said. It'd be like, well, let's just put out the 30th anniversary of Night of the Living Dead instead of this one again. Like, no, that movie needs to be buried, <laughs> like shot into the fucking sun. No, no, no. He never, like, it, he never said that. <laughs> oh, I, that's how he took it. Oh. I was, I must have, like, looked oh, at no, sorry. something. No, we've... no, no. I, what I meant is um, that, that the 30th anniversary edition should not have happened with the extra footage. Oh. Um. We, we okay. have gone on record on shitting on that version of the movie many okay. times. <laughs> I, I I was I was 18 when it came out. I was excited. I was you know I was a kid. I have two copies of the movie on DVD. One is still sealed because I was like I'm going to keep this sealed for posterity. Oh my god! 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's a whole nother <laughs> podcast. But I, I was like, wait, how is he saying like this is worse than the Night of the Living Dead 30th anniversary edition? I'm like, hold on, what no, are no, you smoking? No, 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 no. I was gonna say, is, is he rolling in the catnip now? Because we need to figure out what's going on over there. <laughs> that was because I was like, I know I did not hear that. Of any movie that's had multiple like cuts and everything, that might be the worst cut of any movie ever made. Oh, dude, that yeah. that that priest and that. Um, <sighs> I, I loved Bill Heinzman. He was a dear, dear, uh, sweet man. I got to know him, you know, very often and see him and, and all this stuff. But just the makeup didn't match. It, it, like, how the, can you try to pass him? Listen, the guy was, what, 65 when he filmed those second scenes compared to when he was in his 30s? Yeah. And and just, you know, the the um, the two grave diggers and the family oh and that, that, God, that goddamn priest. Do you guys remember? Did you ever remember hearing, seeing the internet rumor that he had killed himself because of this? The no. priest? Yeah, there no. was. There was. There was a. There, it ended up being a hoax, but he ended up like coming out and saying, "Like, I can't believe I was a part of this. I'm so sorry for everyone. Like, I just <laughs> oh, can't." You know. Yeah, there there was a hoax there for a while that you know he had penned a letter to the internet and posted it, and you know he was gonna you know because he couldn't believe that he had done been a part of something like this, and it I mean it got debunked pretty quick, but it was a pretty interesting uh, internet hoax back in 1999. <laughs> wow, I did <laughs> not know that. No, yeah. I've, I've I've got my beef with uh, John Russo on some of his films. His his follow up film to that one, Santa Claus, I I, <laughs> I did a review for in the um, my Twelve Days of Christmas Horror on UHM, and that might be like the more I think about that movie, it might be the most despicable movie I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> I I've watched so many bad movies, like so many from terrible directors and everything else and that might be the most just the most awful one with the worst intentions and <laughs> the worst acting and you feel bad for the people that are in it and you're like this guy was a real dick that made this movie <laughs> oh but anyway <laughs> what were we talking about diary of the dead i think yeah, we're we wrapping up diary of the dead so so yeah I, i'm not a huge fan of this one um shane i know you don't think it holds up the no. Do you think this is the worst? Yes. No, actually. No, I don't. You don't? No. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think of the six, it's the weakest. Mm-hmm. I think it might be with Shane on, the, on, on this one. I don't think it's the worst. Which brings us to our next one, Survival of the Dead, 2009. Oh. Um, George's <laughs> most recent zombie film released... Um, it is a movie that follows up from Diary of the Dead directly. In fact, it takes characters that were in Diary of the Dead and does a, it's a spinoff movie. I think George's first direct sequel, right? There, I don't think there's been, ever been a direct sequel. It's the first time he connects one movie to another. Right. With, with, with actual, like, referencing of events. And footage, too. I think he used footage yeah. from Diary in this one that he's like, yeah, that yep. was me. Yep. Where um, it, it, so so one one of the downfalls of Diary, then maybe we I didn't bring up, but was it, it's sort of set piece driven that they the characters go through different set pieces in the movie, and they're not connected very well. It's like okay, now they're in a hospital, now they're with some looters, now they're with the military, now they're at a mansion, 
Well, when they met the military guys, one of the military guys is now spun off into this movie, and he's sort of continuing his travels of robbing people and doing whatever. He's got a few other military people with him. And, um, but before he's introduced in the film, we're, we're shown a, an introduction between two rival families that have differing views on how the whole zombie situation should be handled. So one person, um, one guy, the O'Flynn, Patrick O'Flynn, thinks all the zombies should be killed and just gotten rid of. And the other guy, Seamus Muldoon, doesn't think they should be killed and that the zombies should be, I guess, maintained or allowed to roam around as long as they don't bite anyone else. And this sort of drives up a conflict where one guy's ostracized and... And then all these characters sort of come together towards the end of the movie. And, you know, it's kind of a mess plot wise in terms of like describing where everyone is and when, because it does hop around a little bit in terms of timelines and and where the people meet up. But I think this movie, when I describe something like Day of the Dead, where the characters work so well, this is exactly the opposite. None of the characters are well-defined and none of them operate amongst each other or, or even like with themselves. I, I think, it, I think nothing works in terms of characterization in this movie. Um, what do you think, Matt? Do you, th- do you think the characters themselves hold up or do you think there's deep flaws in them in themselves? I, I think there's deep flaws. I think each character, if you talk about the three main lead characters, you know, Flynn, Muldoon, and, and Sarge, they're, they're very much out for themselves. They see things one way and, and to hell with you for, for telling them otherwise. Um, it, it, to me, it's, it's where George's, it's my least favorite in terms of dialogue and story mm-hmm. because I, I don't, buy into this one these two families on this island off the coast of delaware yeah okay like it, it's it's hard for me to buy into that what because... island off the coast of delaware is an entirely irishly populated island with people that speak <laughs> with irish accents yeah and in, in in 2009 um you know that that you wouldn't go outside of the community and and see people and you only get there by boat and um, I get what he was going for. It was a Western, basically. I understand. Um, you know, the, would, the you have, and McCoys. would you ever had a problem with him having this movie take place on an island off the coast of Ireland? No. Would that um, have made a little bit more sense with two yes. competing Irish families? In fact, you could have had a North, you know, a Northern Irish family versus a Southern Irish family, and there would have been some nice internal conflict there. But instead, they're in Delaware, and you're like why why do they have irish accents are they from ireland like yeah it's it's almost like you know it could you know could have taken place in you know the irish neighborhood of new york back in the early 1900s yeah when they were you know when they were just fresh off the boat and 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 immigrated to the u.s games in new york type of thing Yeah. yeah when i i think having that you know be these like two feuding families in this small island and you know, you, then you start getting the logistics of like, 
K or is there crossbreeding between the families if someone marries into another family or yeah, how many people are side? exactly on this island? We only see about 10. How many actually yeah. live there? Yeah. And I mean, I understand there's secluded, you know, there's probably secluded, you know, pockets of people, you know, out in the Midwest or Montana, you know, there's little towns and stuff, but you know, the setting of an island, um, you know, with these two feuding families, I, I think it's, it's a good story, but not for modern telling. Had he like maybe set this as a period piece, would have been a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was just you know, dialogue. I go back to it. Dialogue in this one's just a little hard for me to get through sometimes. Yeah, I agree. That's one of the main reasons I didn't enjoy the film. It's just too too on the nose. Too like, wait, he, no one would say that, you know. And you know, you know when when um. Uh, Francisco asks what's her name to kill him and you know she starts doing that little monologue and you know then um, what's his name comes out of the, the scene like you would have seen him he would have been there you like yep. he, he had a horse you would have seen him um, you know little little things like that just that it just bugs me that it he could have done more but budget time you know he just he, he had to get this thing shot and it was very much. You know, here's 20 days and, you know, two million bucks, you know, go go at it. I think this is the movie that oversteps its bounds the most. Like he his his stomach was much larger than his mouth in this movie in terms of like, I'm going to I'm going to try and do this, this, this and this, but I don't have enough money to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. And mm. I I think that is the big difference between something like Night of the Living Dead where again, he had no budget, but he was able to be like, okay, well, you know what I'm not going to have? I'm not going to have hordes of zombies. You know what? I'm going to have like five or six zombies and I'm going to have them like in this one small cluster and it's going to be intense, but I'm not going to have this imaginary horde or there's some reason I can't get over here because there's landmines. He's not going to include landmines in Night of the Living Dead. He doesn't have the budget for it. So he, mm-hmm. if he doesn't have the budget for it, in this movie, Survival, he shouldn't have it in that either. I feel like overstepping his bounds on all this stuff leads to terrible scenes. That he's like, oh, mm-hmm. we'll just get in and post. And we'll, you know, we'll pay for the worst CGI anyone's ever recorded on film. And where I mentioned that, the CGI is, is slightly forgivable in Diary because it's got the shaky cam and you can't, you really, it's tough to sort of focus on stuff like that. In this movie, it's front and center. When he's got yeah. that scene where all the heads are on the pikes from mm-hmm. from the guys they they come in, it is just the worst. Like you cannot yeah. look at that and be like, "This doesn't look terrible. It looks awful. It's the worst." You 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 can't even watch something like that without seeing the effects, and that's something you don't see in his movies. When you look at Night, Day, Dawn, the effects being practical as they are, um. They look real. And even in Dawn where they're exaggerated and everything's super bright red and everything, you're sort of engrossed in this comic booky world that, like, those exaggerated colors, they work. You know, you get the gray zombies, you get the red blood. In mm-hmm. this in this movie, it doesn't work at all on any level. I mean, every effect is bad. And even I, in this movie, you said you were in survival, right? Yes. Um, which part were you in? Were you one of the zombies that was wrangled up in in the in the corral? In the corral. 
yeah, I was I, I spent three nights there on set, and um, one of the things that they had said to us, you know, each night is, he's like, no, there's no continuity. So my makeup varies three different times within the movie. You can see it very subtly. Even my my wardrobe changed from the first night to the last two. Um, it was a very rushed process. I ended up getting the same makeup guy that did my makeup on Land of the Dead yep. for survival. Cool. And, and he remembered me. Like once he said his name, I was like, dude, we were on, you know, and I told him the story and he remembered me. Um, so he, that's why, like, if you ever see some of my, um, some of the, sh the, the pictures that I took, I have a lot of makeup and a lot of blood on. Like he actually, he was like, we were given like 10 minutes per zombie. He spent like 25 on me. He like airbrushed veins on my head, put a whole bunch of blood on me one night. Um, really did me up pretty well. And, um, yeah, I spent three nights in that corral um, shooting the, the the big climax scene. I was there when they they pulled Chuck apart. You yeah. know, at the at the end, I I actually I ended up being one of the zombies that it they pull his legs away and there's a big intestine trailing and they're like go walk behind him go like like you're going after it. So I was in that scene. <laughs> um, you see me pop up twice outside of the corral, but um, yeah, it was really neat. It was it was a lot of Canadian extras, but everyone that was there, the, there's like 30 of us. Whenever we weren't on set, we were sitting in the tent. We were having a blast. We were, you know, we were sitting there having fun. So, I mean, the, the atmosphere on set was very, very different from land. Mm -hmm. um, even though it was Rush, George seemed a little bit more relaxed. Um, you know, second AD, Matt Berman was there. He played one of the security guards in, in uh, Land of the Dead that John Leguizamo knocks out in the 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 stairway um he was the one that picked me to he's like i need you go you're gonna go get shot so he sent me over on on my last night there and um they put a prosthetic on my forehead he's like they're gonna cgi this out so i walk up to get shot um and i fall and i hit the mat in the first take i overstepped the mat and smacked my head on the ground oh, ouch thought, yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> i'm playing it up i'm like i'm not i'm not breaking character um so yeah, it was it, it was a really fun night. Like it it was you know I watched them dig the hole to put Joris, uh Jarvis in. Um, I watched them pull him apart. You know that was neat. Um, you know I got to see the horse that they eat at the end. That was uh, Greg sent that to them from K and B effects. Um, and just you know it's uh, two of my friends are, are really close with George and his wife. That was it. I started as a joke to say to him, I was like, why don't you call George and see if we can come visit? And uh, he calls me, uh, my one friend calls me the next day and he goes, hey, what are you doing in a couple of weeks? I'm like, why? He's like, because George said we could come up. Um, so it was, you know, one of those like, well, we'll see if we can get on set and just hang out, which I was like, I'll go up and sit on a George Romero set for three days. Like, I don't care. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, but now the day we get there, he's like, no, they want us to come in. They're going to do a big zombie scene. And he's like, so he's going to put us right up front. So that's why the there's three of us. There's two people standing next to me. There's my two friends, and uh, yeah, we're front and center on all the the corral scenes, and um, it it was fun. Uh, it was three nights, three nights in Canada, beginning of October, and I experienced three different seasons. It was cold, it was um, summertime, and then it was like fall time because it was cold and wet one night. But three nights sitting out there doing that was just one of the most fun experiences I ever had. And 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 seeing myself get shot on screen, I was like, oh, my God, like I just <laughs> it, it was it was nuts. And it was funny is like when they they showed Survival of the Dead on AMC's Fear Fest a couple years ago 
and they were showing the preview for it and they show me getting killed in the preview so when they showed it on amc they cut my death out Aww. yeah i was Motherfuckers. so mad. yeah i must have been edited for time <laughs> because i was i was mad so they edited you out but they probably kept in the kid going that's not how people watch videos anymore. Check this out and shows his iPhone oh. from like 2005. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's what it was. Oh. It was. I had seen, I mean, I, I saw that I got to see the movie in the theater. It got a limited theatrical release. I drove down to Philly and I, um, so I got to see the last three Romero films first run in the theater. And, um, uh, cause I went to the land of the dead premiere in Pittsburgh when they had everyone out there. And I drove out to Pittsburgh again to see diary and then, you know, like I bought the DVD from like Britain or something. I think it came out like eight months before it hit the States here. So I was like, I had to buy it. And I think I watched that film, I don't know, every day for a month. Which one? Survival? Survival. Just because I was there for so long and just, you know, kind of in, in, endeared me to it. Um, I, I give, you know, maybe maybe I look through it with rose colored glasses, but I enjoy watching Survival, even though I have a lot of issues with it just because it was it was me on set for three days you know I, I i saw a huge chunk of the finale of the film get 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 shot yeah just it, it was fun yeah i'll tell you though this is the hardest one for me to watch um this movie does not sit well with me like i th- i think of all of george's zombie movies i think this might be genuinely bad i i think this might be the only one that i would consider a bad movie and yeah, I don't recommend to, to people to watch it. You you think yeah. so, Shane? I do. I'm inclined to agree with everything you just said about that. It's a shame though, because I mean, it's I mean, when I first heard about Survival of the Dead, I was like, oh, awesome! Hopefully, George will be back to his old self. You know, this will be better than Diary and all this kind of stuff. Um, when I watched it, it went straight to DVD in the UK, and no theatrical release over here at all. And I had to wait. I think it was, um, I think it was delayed in the UK by about a month for some reason. I can't remember what it was, why it was, but I remember watching it, and then I was like, "This movie sucks." And that was my first initial reaction. I was like, "This sucks. What has he done?" You know. And obviously, you know, I've seen it since. I've watched it a couple of times since. I still think it's bad. And but there are some scenes in it I just find quite entertaining to watch, if you see what I mean. But I just can't. I find it very difficult to sit through that film. I really do. And it's it's kind of funny because every time I see it, it's like when somebody mentions Survival of the Dead, I was like, oh yeah, well, I know somebody who was in that. And they're like, yeah, fuck off. And I was like, yeah, I do actually. <laughs> you know. So it's um yeah, it's kind of funny. I was like, look, there's my buddy Matt, and everyone's like, who? <laughs> and I'm like, you just have no clue, do you? Never mind. But yeah, it's yeah, I do actually find this film quite difficult to sit through. In fact, if I was going to have a Romero marathon, I would completely skip Survival of the Dead altogether. I'm not going to yeah, say I would I, blame you, Shane. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's funny when people, you know, they know I'm in it and they go and see it and they're like, "I'm sorry, I didn't like it. It was bad." I'm like, "You don't have to apologize to me. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to take offense to it. You know, you're not, you're not talking about my performance or saying, you know, I drug the film down. No. Um, it, it, yeah, it's it, it's a hard one to watch, and, and I hate that 
because it's it, it's the last film George has done to date, and it's kind of like on a sour note. Because um, George is better than that, yeah. and and I don't know. George really doesn't want to do zombie films anymore. George wants to do other films. Um, he really does. Um, he it's not that he doesn't enjoy doing them, but he, you know, for the last now you know twelve thirteen years, I mean that's zombie films. That's it. And, you know, he he wants nothing to do with The Walking Dead. He doesn't. He he's kind of said his piece when it comes to zombies, and and I don't think he really has to say anything more. I mean, he defined it. I mean, he perf- defined it and perfected it, in my opinion. So there's no there's, he, there's nowhere to go. He he didn't set out to be any sort of trailblazer or to try to reinvent the wheel or or kick open the floodgates. He wanted to make a movie, um, wanted to make a good movie with his friends and you know tell something different. And it, it you know it grew organically into this phenomenon that it is. And yeah, I mean he's he's the cornerstone of you know the modern zombie. And you know if you want to say modern horror, that's fine. Um, but he just, I, I would love for George to make more Bruiser and Knight Rider style movies where there's a horror element, but it's definitely a, a we haven't seen from him before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like a lot of those movies. I'm a big fan of George's, you know, sort of side movies, as he would say, you know, the creep show and, uh, and Bruiser and uh, Dark Half and stuff like that. I got a lot Martin. I love stuff like that. I think those were all awesome. Yeah. Martin is awesome. Yeah, I mean, he gets a lot of his love from Creepshow and, and, and Martin. And, you know, that, that's where George was, you know, at his peak, you know, making these movies. And, you know, he, he thrives on a smaller budget. But I, I think he was so constrained with money on these films and such a tight shooting, shooting schedule that I, I think the end result suffered because he has to go from one to another to another to another and, and really hammer this stuff out. And, it, you know, none of his movies ever took long to make. Yeah. But he he had adequate resources to make it comfortable for him to go through each each film. You know, he, he had enough money for Creepshow. He had the right sets. He wasn't being pushed. Um, you know, not that studios were interfering in the last two films, but, you know, there was definitely a, a sense of, Okay, we got we got 20 days. You got this amount of money. Like you need to get this thing done. And, and the environment changed. You know, VOD, direct to DVD. You know that stuff's more prevalent anymore. Do you, do you, you think know, that he didn't necessarily have a story he wanted to de- to tell in something like Survival or Diary? That they were just like George, we want you to make a zombie movie, and he had to then come up with a story for a zombie movie. I mean, when you talk about some of these other ones, Dark Half Creep Show, um, I, I mean, even something like Monkey Shines, like these are pre-written stories. These aren't George Romero stories. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think he had, I think he had an idea, and they're like, "We want you a zombie movie." And George's like, "I have this idea. Let's marry him." You know, I think he, I think he had different themes in mind, and they're like, "We're going to give you money for a zombie movie." George's like, "But I wanted to make this western. Well, I'm going to make a western zombie movie." And, and I think he did the best he could to marry the two. And I, it just, it didn't work out. I don't know, you know, that, that's just me speaking, you know, I'm, oh, yeah, not, it's a I'm not speaking for George at, at, at any length, but I just, I, I don't know if George really wanted to make survival of the dead, you know, 
but it was like George, we're gonna give you money to make a zombie movie. He was probably like, okay, and he might he might have done that. He might not have. I mean, I'm not gonna hold it against him at all. I, I love the man dearly. I respect him. I admire him. Um, you know, I'll defend him to the to the end of days because he's such a great person, um, and not just George A. Romero, the director. Um, I, I think George has a lot of stories sitting in a drawer that should be told, and I think he's gotten so pigeonholed with the zombie thing since it became popular you know once the dawn remake happened that it just kind of limited him and he had he had to do it to to maintain a living yeah i suppose i suppose in a way or in a sense you could he could almost blame himself for creating the mythos of the zombies as we know now that's true because i mean he's yeah because i mean he started off with night of the living dead which is an absolutely fantastic film yeah, and well, obviously you... zombies have been done to death anyway. You know, uh, for want of a better word, they've been done to death, and I can understand why he wouldn't want to do another zombie film. I mean, well, it'd be nice to see him do a different take on something else. Yeah, exactly. And I think, and there's only so many stories you can tell in terms of zombie films, and just like any other genre film, you know, you can only do so many werewolf movies or vampire movies before it starts to be like, okay, we've seen this before. You know, or, you know, you do try something that's a little outside the box that might be ahead of its time that people might not look at in a positive light until years later where they say, oh, this is what he meant by that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that to me, that's the strength of George's zombie films. Like I said earlier, was the, the zombies are secondary. It, it's it's all about human interaction and human relationships and, and how we need to come together as a society if we're going to survive any sort of you know, problem like this. And, and we just can't. So, you know, there's other elements that he puts in there to, you know, progress the story, you know, like the, the found footage and using the internet and diary of the dead, you know, to kind of get your news footage from, and, you know, so important that Jason uploaded his footage so that he could get the word out. And he's getting all these hits on the internet and, you know, MySpace and YouTube at the time being so young and new, like that was the thing to do. No, oh, MySpace. And- oh, I forgot about that part. Do you remember his uh, campaign on MySpace? All the videos that were posted on MySpace for survive or for Diary. I do not. Right. Uh, I, in my MySpace memory is a little short. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a big campaign on on MySpace to like upload your videos. Um, I forget the what the campaign was, and then he like picked the top five um, and like displayed them on, on the MySpace page for diary. And I think there's some of the, the, the MySpace videos that the, the cast created in character are on the DVD. Hmm. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I think that's that, you know, they were using social media. So it was very, you know, again, could diary of the dead in another 10 years be considered ahead of its time for using iPhones and social <laughs> media as as a way to communicate to to get your story out there i think i think it's past it we're already at that point now and people looking back on it still not favorable i think diaries not gonna hit that point like i I think land is ahead of its time i don't think diary sort of met that met that match I don't think in, in, in 10 years scream factory is going to put out the definitive diary of the dead dvd but i mean like just the fact that he he was and, and this was 2000, you know, he filmed in 2006, came out in 2008, 2007. Um, you know, no one was using social media, you know, in those days. You know, there was MySpace. Facebook was very, very young, very limited. But I don't recall too many movies using any sort of, like, 
have any sort of inkling of self-awareness of social media. Like he keeps uploading this video to get all these hits and to get these people coming to him and going out to the internet and seeing what other people are saying. 74,000 um, hits. That's what he said. That was a big deal. Yeah. So, I mean, so, it's just, I mean, it's, I mean, it's funny now though, when you look at something like that, but then you have like, you know, a, a trailer for, you know, a comic book movie comes out and it gets, five million hits in the first like two hours that it's up and he's like 74,000 mm -hmm. you know how many that is and you're looking at yeah. that now and you're like that's nothing that's like yeah, yeah. I, I think I think he was on to something but I think the execution is going to keep it from like you know like you would you know agree to is like it, the time has passed like he was trying to do something different it just wasn't it either wasn't the time or there was other problems with the film that kept it from saying oh we get it. You're going to use, you know, people are going to start using social media now. And now look at all these movies that come out like unfriended and all these other movies that deal with Ugh. social media and, and the horrors that they, they can, you know, feed into smiley. Uh, yeah. I'm seeing that. It's terrible. Smiley. Oh, that was fucking <laughs> <That's> awful. <so laughs> I remember but, I mean, watching. Oh yeah. Go on. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say like, that's, that that was my point is like i think diary had a good premise just poor execution which mm -hmm. led it from getting recognized more than what it should yeah for 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 using social media and using the internet um because <laughs> social media and wi-fi and iphones and androids they make it hard to make horror movies now because you know, you know filmmakers are kind of put into a little box now it's like oh well you can't do this because you'll have wi-fi yeah, you know, true. you know, it, it, it's getting harder and harder to tell more original stories without addressing the issue of the Internet. You know, there, there's movies out there now. It's like, oh, man, I got no signal. And, you know, they got to establish that early on in the movie, you know, to kind of set up the tone, because that's what people now look for. Yeah, to kind of write you know? it off or as you know, I, I think is people are going to film, you know, horror films are going to progress. They're going to use the Internet. They're going to be like, this is just part of our world. Yes, I have a connection to the internet. Yes, I'm putting this thing out, but no one's answering for whatever reason. In the same way that you'd have, like, you know, horror films of the 50s and 60s that where there's a telephone. And they're like, oh, it doesn't matter if there's a telephone because even when I call this person, you know, either they're not home or they're, you know, nobody cares or whatever. I think the same type yeah. of thing is going to happen. Oh, I put out on Twitter that I'm being attacked, but I only have 30 followers and nobody's responding. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's going to be something along those lines. I, I don't think horror has caught up to 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 be able to address that effectively. Yeah. Because I don't I, think, I don't think we're there yet. I think the three of us need to come up with a plausible story that um, and make a film that can do that. <laughs> all right. You guys do all the legwork. I'll be one of those producer types that just sits back and like lets it all happen. <laughs> hey, as long, as long as the check clears, you can be the producer. That's I don't right. care. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think a lot of George's films are ahead of their time, especially his zombie films. Because that's where he really puts a lot of his messages into. And, and I think a lot of his other films are, are very well at adapting well-known concepts like the vampire you know it gets always begs the question is martin a vampire or is he not you know and, yep. and night riders you know are you going to hold on to your ideals and, and continue to go forth in the face of you know adversity and the unknown or are you going to sell out and become and, and kind of go against everything you say you stood for or monkey shines um, will you let that little monkey bite you or will you snap its goddamn neck <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's it's you know a lot of his films you know have very like I said earlier many layers, um, and they don't have to. But that's the type of filmmaker George is. That's why his films aren't considered like hollow or B movies. No, no, then there there's always more depth. There's always depth to a Romero. Film. You know, Bruiser. I mean, it, identity. I mean, how how much can one person take till they just everything that that makes them a person has been stripped away by others for their own selfish gain. And how do you reclaim that? You know, it's just, there's more to every one of his movies than, than people let on to. Yeah. And, and sometimes they, sometimes they resonate and sometimes they don't. And, and the last two films that he made just didn't. Mm -hmm. And, but that's, I, last two films should ever, be brought up is oh well what happened to george romero well nothing happened to george there's just other you know there there's just a big perfect storm of factors that worked against what george wanted whether it's george himself financing technical issues that just they just didn't work out in the last two films yeah um you know you make some tweaks here or there change the setting change the character change some dialogue you could really make any any one of those last two movies as just as good as land of the dead but you have to kind of go back and be able to step outside and say what can what can i change now before it gets to be too late right and and i don't know if those films lent themselves to having that that self-awareness i agree and on that note we're going to start to wrap this up we're going to finish up with our definitive uh ranking of the romero zombie films shane would you like to start or do you want me to go first let you go first. All right. So I'm going to start from the bottom. I think uh, Survival was my least favorite, um, followed by Diary. And um, then I'm going to have a huge gap where I, th I feel like there's a big jump in, in terms of quality. And you get then land and then moving further up. I'm going to actually go with Night which I really like. And I mean, when you get to the night range, you're talking, these are movies I consider like eight and a half to nine out of 10. So then you got night dawn and my favorite is still day. So how would you feel? Okay. Shane? I would have to say, I agree with you on survival and diary. Um, I would then say day, then land, then dawn and then night of the living dead as my favorite um i've always loved that movie and i could i can quite happily watch that movie over and over again Excellent. um yeah because i just think it's a fantastic film everything about it is just superb and matt Atmosphere, as, a, as a romero fan i'm gonna pin you down and i'm gonna hold you to this we're gonna have it on record i'm gonna make sure i post it to your facebook and everyone else so no one can deny this ranking <laughs> or you could just, or you could just say this is how you feel today, and it might change tomorrow. What's your ranking of the films? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go with convention. I'll, I'll go from the bottom up. Uh, Diary, Survival, Land, Night, Day, and at the top of the mountain is Dawn. Forever. Forever. Excellent. <laughs> Forever. Unser nothing. Nothing. Unserveable. Yeah. There. There. There's there's nothing any other film could do to ever change that that for me ever. That's a bold statement, my friend. <laughs> well, Shane knows. Shane knows yeah. it. It's 
there's unwavering love and support for Dawn as, as not just my favorite film, but I think his best film, um, his most celebrated, I think. It's, um, yeah, definitely. It is, yeah. Definitely, it is most definitely celebrated. most celebrated. Because, I mean, think of all the parodies that that movie spawned. Not just parodies, but, you know, sequels and, See, yeah. you know, hell. False, full cheese, false zombie sequels two. and imitators and everything else. You know, I mean, that, I mean, that movie, you know, I, I think it, it, it'll go neck and neck with night in terms of cultural impact. Um, for, for, and they're both for different reasons. Um, I, I don't think without Dawn of the Dead, there would be no Walking Dead. I don't, I don't think night lent itself to creating something of that, that magnitude. I think Dawn really bolstered that that night of the living dead what night of the living dead and took it into the stratosphere and really opened up those floodgates to create the rest of these zombie films and 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 the spoofs and the the impact on you know consumerism and shopping malls you know people walk around the malls like zombies now well someone saw dawn of the dead to say that and now it's in the you know lexicon you know words we use and stuff um just because people keep going back to it yeah. You know, Dawn just Dawn just it sticks. It's yeah, it looks like a 70s film, but it doesn't feel or act like a 70s film. Excellent. So, mm. yeah, with that, I think we're going to wrap it up. Oh, uh, the only other thing I wanted to ask you about, Matt, while I have you on here, what do you think yeah. are your definitive um, physical releases of, let's say, the first three films? Because I think the final three, I, I, in my opinion, there's not any one or two sets that are different from each other. They're all pretty much the same. What do you feel about yeah. the first three films? Are there, is there three releases that horror collectors should search out? Um, the, the one for night is kind of hard because I want to say the elite DVD that they had ported over from the laser disc back in the late nineties, mm-hmm. um, because that set was just fantastic. Um, but the one dimension put out in 2008 with the documentary, another one for the fire, I think is absolutely phenomenal. I think the film looks great. Um, Dawn of the dead. It, it has to be that ultimate box set, the DVD set, um, the DVD set. Um, I remember, um, good friend of mine helped put that box set together he worked at anchor bay and i remember for years i would see him at conventions and we would be talking about it and all the stuff that they were they had to go through and what they were going to do and and everything and then then he hands it to me and i'm on i'm in the box set i'm in the the mall footage that greg nicotero shot um you see me going up the escalator imitating the sweater zombie oh that's awesome all so i, <laughs> I mean he's like you're re- he's like you're really going to want to check this out and i didn't know that greg had provided you know all that footage and i got home and watched it and i just kind of was like i was almost in tears i was like i was part of it um so the definitive dawn box set i think is i, I think is the peak i don't think there's ever going to be another dawn box set like that with anything new um so I, I'll have to stick with that. And I think the uh, the Day of the Dead DVD from Anchor Bay from 2004, uh, the, the the gatefold cover with the Dr. Frankenstein notes. Yep. Um, just I, I'm not talking in terms of video quality, because obviously Blu-ray will will come out and, you know, take the definition to a, high, a, a different level. Yeah, but it, just in the, terms of the arrow, the arrow Blu-ray is really nice on that. The UK it version is. of the day. It is. I just think in terms of presentation having that that box set with the classic you know bub cover and the the velcro and the gatefold yep. the dr frankenstein notes i i just think they took a lot of care for that and i think that that's 
if you're going to have three in your set, that's what you need. Beautiful. Well, that's what we're looking for. Um, I wanted to thank you for coming on, Matt. And, oh, yeah, um, thanks for providing your insight. Thank you very much for joining us, dude. It's been an oh. absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's it's my honor to be asked. Thank you guys very much. It was awesome picking your brain and hearing all your stories and everything. And, yeah, um, and I'll yeah. tell you something now, actually. I enjoyed listening to you guys talking about it because it was almost like I was just sitting here taking a back seat <laughs> and just listening to you guys. That was cool. Yeah, thanks yeah. for letting yeah. us do all the work, Shane. Yeah. That's all right. Well, hey, you know, I, I got I Matt on here. What more do you want? <laughs> I, I appreciate you guys letting me, you know, clamor on about this stuff because it's it, it's something that's obviously I I wouldn't have the friends and the experiences I I've had in my life, and to be able to say as a little kid I've lived my dream twice, yeah. and you know because of George Romero and his movies, and it's it's not the movies, it's the friendships and the connections that I've had, and to be able to say I've done this, you know I've I've slid down the escalator at Penny's a dozen times, and you know <laughs> and 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 played around in the mall after hours. I mean I've and, seen the footage of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know I I. I've, you know, like when I go out there tomorrow, I'm going to be a kid in a candy store. You know, it's I am I just turned 36 and I still feel like an 18 year old kid walking into that mall for the very first time because it takes me back and it makes me remember of all the, the connections that I have. And, and I think that that's the strength of George's films, even even the good, the bad and the ugly of them. You know, people come together to celebrate who George Romero is and and because of who he is, he he defines the films more than the films define him. Yeah. And, and to me, that's why it's almost 50 years later. And we still talk about the, the impact of night of the living dead um, just because of, of who George is and how he treats people and people want to work for him. People, you know, wait four hours in line to get his autograph at a show. And, you know, he, 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 he says thank you to them. Like, he's humbled. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can I attest to that because I was one of those people standing in line as he was extremely kind and friendly to every other jerk that came up and asked for his autograph. Yeah, I have to say, I've never had the pleasure of meeting George he Romero. Even, he even quipped. I, so I had him sign my Dawn of the Dead um, Ultimate box set um, when I brought it up. I had Previously, I had gotten it signed by Dario Argento when I had met him. And he looks at it, he holds it up to you, he goes, Jesus Christ, Dario didn't leave me any room for this. You'd think he made the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He yeah, he's he's very quick on that. He you know, he's got a great sense of humor. Um, he's still quick on his feet, um, still likes to have fun. Um, and it's always nice when he, you know, he uh, you stand there and he sees someone he hasn't seen since filming or in, in twenty or thirty years and you know, it's just just people just love George, you know, they just, they loved what, what he did for them. Um, you know, he, he loves the fact that they wanted to do for him and it's just, it's great to see that kind of stuff. And that's why I, any chance I get, I, I will definitely make it, make a trick to uh, trip to see George. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks for coming on Shane. Um, thank you for coming on as always. Uh, where can we sort of find everybody on here? Right. Um, obviously, uh, Twitter, um, at Dead Cell Society, um, obviously Facebook, UHM fans group, <coughs> um, which we are all members of, you know, we're all, we're all on there. Um, obviously 
I have Instagram, and then you've got the motherboard, or you, sorry, the mother so, uh, No, no. The, <laughs> the mother site, upcominghorrormovies.com. That's correct. Yes. Yeah, you can, uh, if you go to upcominghorrormovies.com, you can find my reviews on the homepage, or you can go to the message board and talk to most of us. Uh, Shane and I are on there a good amount. I don't know if, uh, Matthew, you ever been on the message board at UHM? Uh, I have not. I don't believe. Okay. I don't think I've ever made it over that way, but maybe I should. It's a pretty good community. Join us. Um, yeah, join it, us. <laughs> yeah, join us, right. <laughs> so, um, uh, Matt, do you have any contact information you want to give out or not? Tell people don't talk to um, me or don't get in touch with me. <laughs> Leave me alone. Get off my lawn. No, yeah. um, I'm on, I'm on the Twitters, um, at Monroe zombie, no ease. I have to tell people that they always misspell my name um, just because, again, big Dawn of the Dead geek. I had to I spent two hours coming up with my screen name back in the 90s to, to reflect George Romero. So I came up with Monroe Zombie. Um, same there. Same Instagram um, on Facebook. I'm usually I'm always lurking about in other places. Excellent. And you can catch me uh, at Ryan Tudelo on Twitter. And um, that's about it for today, guys. Thanks for joining us. And thanks for my guests and everybody else and um we'll see everybody next time bye for now thank you